This morning, we're going to talk about acknowledging the Lord. You know, I'm going to use an use a illustration I use quite often. And I used to, grew, grew up loving martial arts, and I spent a lot of time studying Bruce Lee, and I had a complete book of his works, and there's a lot of his wisdom, and a lot of, a lot of components of martial arts just seemed so fitting for the Christian life. I was even thinking of it um, this morning. I was praying about a specific brother who's growing in the Lord here in our midst, and he's, I see the wisdom and the gifts in him. And I also see some of the struggles there. And I was just praying, Lord, let this, let his heart, let his spirit be like water. The wisdom and everything he has, let it, let it just form into whoever he's sowing to. If they're weak, let, them, let him be weak with them. If they're in joy, let them be in joy with them. Let them just, let their heart conform to, to these people they're ministering to. And it's funny, Bruce Lee said, you know, be like water, right? Water fits the container, it's destructive, all these things. And so... Thinking about that again, and you know, it's in martial arts, it's not the fancy spinning kicks, right? It's not the jumping stuff. All of that is really kind of useless. Let me just, for, for a guy who did a lot of street fighting, um, that stuff is, gets a little useless, and it's very hard to actually pull off if you can do it well. Um, what's more important than anything in martial arts are the basics, the very basics. I used to get a magazine called Black Belt Magazine. And there was a guy, he was the, the head of the Taek, American Taekwondo Association of America, and he was a ninth degree, golly, ninth degree black belt, which is impressive because you can't get a tenth degree black belt until you die, because it's impossible to be perfect on this earth. That's the philosophy there. And so he's a ninth degree black belt. He's the head of the American Organization of Taekwondo, and he says every single morning he has the same routine. He wakes up. And before he does anything, or maybe he takes a shower first, whatever, uh, he practices the white belt form. And if you're not aware, white belt is the belt you get when you start. You don't even need to know anything to have a white belt. You don't even know how to, you don't need to know how to tell, tie your belt to get a white belt. If you just show up and put your feet on the mat, you, they'll tie your belt for you. And so every single morning he ties his or uh, I'm sorry, he practices his white belt form, and he says, every morning I learn something new. Now, I was 15 or 16 when I read that article. It was probably the only article I read in the magazine. I don't know why. And I've never forgotten that. And it's so true. It's the fundamentals of the faith that make us and break us. And when we understand the fundamentals of who God is, who we are in him, rather or not, or whether or not, Where's Baylor? Whether or, not, whether or not our heart is attuned to God properly, those are the things that are important. In every other spiritual aspect, any sustaining fruits, any ministry only comes out of that. It comes out of prayer. It comes out of meditating on who God is. It comes out of the fullness of just surrendering ourselves to him. We don't need fancy backflips in ministry. We need people whose hearts are sold out to the Lord. Everything comes out of that. And so we're going to talk about acknowledging God in our relationships and our plans this morning. I uh, decided last minute as I, I got here really early, um, I prayed that the Lord would wake me up and give me time to, to prepare a little extra because it's been a long weekend. And I woke up at 6 o'clock with no alarm, so he answered. And um, we're going to actually read through. We're going to start in James chapter 4. Verse 6, 
We're going to start there to get a little context from last week, and we're going to actually go through chapter 5, verse 6. Um, so I believe we'll be done with the book of James and probably another Sunday or two, which is good because I will be leaving to Israel December 2nd. So the Lord made it fit. Praise, <laughs> praise God. Um, before we read this, though, just join me once again in a, in a brief prayer. Father God, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for this morning. I thank you, Lord, that your kingdom is not a kingdom of word, but a kingdom of power, Lord. And I thank you that you've put that on display here. Father, we just humble ourselves before you, Lord. We're weak. Um, <laughs> we need you. We're thankful that your strength is made perfect in our weakness, so we boast in our weakness all the more. And Lord, we just ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive your word and your grace and your mercy this morning in all love and joy. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Chapter 4, starting in verse 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, God says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge one another? Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city. We'll spend a year there, year, uh, there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted. Your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. That's not pleasant. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cities, I'm sorry, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ear of the Lord of Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven's armies. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fatted your hearts Fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Whew. It's getting heavy. In, getting heavy in here. Um, so I wanted to back up and I wanted to cover the end of last week. Um, before we begin to talk today, and we're going to focus on verses 11 through 5, 6. But 
reaffirming the verses in four. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That, I think in a lot of ways is the, is the, the heart of even what Baylor was talking about. Hey, you know, Lord, uh, just grant us whatever we want. Oh, yeah, let us be at your right hand and at your left. And Jesus is thinking in his head, man, if you knew that that meant two crosses, you wouldn't want that. And then here's this man blind sitting by the roadside, and they just, he just hears Jesus, and he says, Son of David, have mercy on me. And he knew there was nothing he could do to get to Jesus, and the people that were following Jesus were yelling at him to shut up, and that was probably his life experience, but he knew that if Jesus would just touch him, if he would just speak, that he would be healed. And there was a humility that he didn't have to clothe himself in. It was a humility he was born into, but his heart was broken in this humble state. And Jesus touched him and healed him. I mean, I don't know if you physically touched him in the story. I'm not sure, but you get the point. And there's this humility. And so this is one of those principles that I was talking about, this base white belt of Christian faith principles that where you are proud, God will resist you. But when we humble our hearts, he lifts us up. He lifts us up. Jason and, and Baylor, um, we have a mutual friend. His name is Rob Wisdom, and I believe they've, it was him that they tell me all the time. They say, um, you know, in, in ministry, the way up is down, right? You lower yourself, and then the Lord will exalt you because it's only for his name's sake anyways. And so, so many times, though, we get caught in this life and, and okay, yeah, we know God, we know the scriptures, you know, we live pretty well, and, and all, there's so many things before us. We've got, you know, wives, husbands, kids, right? You've got jobs. Some of, some of us have grandkids. People are trying to pay for college. They're trying to figure out how to get their next promotion. Some people are just trying to get, you know, their bills paid, their car fixed. There's so many things in this life. And, yeah, okay, we nod to Jesus. Yes, Lord, I love you. Okay, but now I've really got to, you know, all these things are really important. So I've really got to give these things my, my attention. And we begin to walk, we begin to act, and we begin to respond even uh, to other people in, in our own strength and our own wisdom, and our flesh. And so many things come out of that that are um, maybe not godly, not graceful, right? Things that uh, perhaps are, are blatantly sinful. The, the Bible says be quick to hear, you know, slow to speak, slow to wrath. We talked about that. Was that last week? One of these weeks? And, uh, you know, and things come out when there's the outbursts of our emotions um, can really cause a lot of trouble. And Jesus says, even to the Pharisees, like, hey, man, it's not what you eat that defiles you. It's not what goes in. It's this heart thing. Yeah, what comes out of there, that's what defiles you. What comes out of this, that's what defiles you. Not what you eat, but the content of your heart, Right? And the only way to grow, the only way to go up in our relationship with the Lord is to first go down and to humble ourselves and to acknowledge him. There's a verse, and uh, I didn't, I didn't, I should have probably looked it up, but it says, acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, and he will direct your paths. 
So here, starting again in verse 11, James writes to us, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. For he who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge one another? Now, um, this is a good time for this question, man. What is he talking about? Let's, Let's all say that. What is he talking about? Yeah, that's a good question. Thank you for asking. Um, so <laughs> what is he talking about? Because if, if you're familiar with the scriptures, um, you're familiar with, with dealing with people and, and dealing with sin in the church, you understand that this whole idea of like, oh, you know, you can't judge me. Or, you know, we just can't judge people. They just live how they live. That that is not a biblical concept at all, right? Especially if we're talking about people in the church. In fact, God has called us, the scriptures clearly teach that we need to judge between matters amongst ourselves, right? That he, he's, Paul says, don't you know you're even going to judge angels? And you can't even judge between your brothers? Like, I say this to your shame. Is there no one wise among you, right? He says, hey, if someone is caught in sexual immorality and they call themselves a brother, don't even eat with that person. That kind of sounds like a judgment, you know? Um, but the difference is, of course, we're not judging this person. We're not saying, oh, you're a, you know, this and that, and you don't deserve salvation. No, but we're going to say, hey, man, like, the Lord has already judged sin, and that's sin. And if you're going to walk with that, brother, with, the Lord's body is pure. we got to separate. And it takes a mind to look at something and to judge, is this right or this wrong? That's what judgment means, right? And so we know that there's a difference between judgment, right judgment, and there's a difference between that and condemnation where we judge a person, we judge them as a whole, we judge their heart, their salvation, that is unrighteous. And so we have to discern that, but he says, hey, don't speak evil against each other. Don't slander your own brother and judge them and condemn them. You don't have that right. And as we've been looking through James, you know, we've, we have to understand that he's, he's calling on the royal law from Leviticus here. The same thing that Jesus was calling on, right, in his teachings in Matthew. And it should be at the bottom of the, on the scripture list there. Um, in Leviticus 19, this is written in the Old Testament, that you shall not go about as a talebearer among your people, nor shall you take a stand against the life of your neighbor I am the Lord. So just pause right there or right there. Either way. Um, James is not saying we should not render just judgment, that we should not concern ourselves with the purity of the church, that we should just not call sin, sin. The Bible, that is not its stance. So please don't let that be your stance. But the issue here is we live, if, if we're in a Christian community, we should be living in community, right? And I've lived in a lot of different communities, uh, just physically speaking, and sometimes your neighbors are screaming in the middle of the night, right? And you can hear the kids getting beat through the windows, and you're like, oh, I don't know what he did. And uh, there's all kinds of crazy stuff that goes on, right? We accidentally backed into our neighbor's car the other day, and so, you know, that's no fun. And so there's all these, <laughs> there's all these things that happen in, in community that, that can be tough to deal with, right? And we can very easily, if we're just focused on ourselves, if that's really the desire of your heart, 
is yourself, it's very easy to begin to allow things to build up in your heart against your brother, against your sister, against your neighbors, right? And people start, oh, well, you know what they did. And, oh, you know, it's, it's funny. You'll see them, oh, hey, you see them and they're hugging. And, oh, it's so nice to see you. And I'll see you next week. And they take three steps away. Man, you know what he did last week? I can't believe him. And you're like, whoa, whoa, what just, you just hugged that guy. What just happened? You know what I mean? And they're tell bearers, and, they, and they're holding these grudges. And the Lord, you know, he looks at that, and he goes, what in the world is going on? And in Leviticus 16, or 19, he says, don't do that. Don't go spreading rumors and things about your people. Don't take a stand against your neighbor. You're supposed to love your neighbor. In verse 17, he says, you shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. That is a command. What does Jesus say? If you hate your brother without a cause, you've committed murder. You're in danger of hellfire. You shall not Hate your brother in your heart. Now, here's, we're going to balance out this, you can't judge me thing. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear, listen to this, and not bear sin because of him. Let that sink in for a second. He doesn't say, oh, you better go rebuke him because he's a sinner. He says, no, no, you go rebuke your, your neighbor so you don't get trapped in sin because of him. If your brother has wronged you, Jesus says, you go to your brother and you tell him his fault. And if he hears you, you've won your brother. That is love. That is love. Right? And when you're restored and that unity is there, that is the body. Unified. Corrected. Now they've been corrected. They'll walk in wisdom. Your heart is clear and there's no bitterness and anger defiling you in your heart. And we know that if we, if we say we love God and we raise our hands and we give our money and Jesus says, and you know your brother has something against you, you just leave your, altar, your, your gift right there, buddy. You go fix that. And then you can come back and worship me. It's Matthew 5. And what does that mean? That means, hey, if this isn't right, how do you think this is right? You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him, if there's something in your heart, go love him. Go tell him, hey, that hurt. Hey, I don't think that was right. Hey, this, don't you know the scripture says, and I think we, we got off on the wrong track. Can we fix this? You know what that's called? You know what that takes? Humility. And if you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, he'll lift you up. But if you're too proud, God is against your hardened heart. Let me tell you, God is against your pride. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. And hey, if we all were faithful to that, we'd have a pretty peaceful community. Things would get put in order pretty, pretty quick. <laughs> Jason, his buddy, <laughs> he was telling me, he's like, yeah, man, these neighbors over here, they're always blaring music and yelling at each other all night long. And him and his girlfriend, he said, finally, my buddy just went out there and said, hey, you shut the heck up. And they just, you know, now every time we come outside, they go inside and they get real quiet. It worked out. <laughs> not saying that that's the proper way, but hey, it worked, okay? Um, let's go ahead and read verse 18. You shall not take vengeance nor bear, listen to this, nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. 
I love that. And they end, I am the Lord. Like, that's the biggest period to the end of a statement you could ever staple on something right there. You know, I am the Lord. Do you not understand that your brother is a son of God and your sister is a daughter of God? You want to talk bad to his daughter in his presence? I don't think so. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother, this is James 4.11 once again, speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of a law but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge one another? God, we understand that God is the only one who has righteous judgment. We understand that God, he maintains the rights to speak salvation or condemnation. We do not have such wisdom. We do not have such right. That is reserved for him and him alone. We are called to love our neighbor. And you know what? In Israel, a lot of their neighbors were not authentic followers of the Lord. There was only ever a remnant of Israel that actually believed Not all of Israel is Israel. That's what Paul said, right? There was only a remnant, and so most of their neighbors were probably idol-worshiping, you know what I mean? Backstabbing, all kinds of stuff. And he says, you know what? You love your neighbor. Your righteousness is your righteousness, no one else's. And you stand and fall before the Father alone. You love your neighbor. And so oftentimes in relationships, we get so focused on ourselves and we don't stop to acknowledge God. I wonder if, if before you decided to speak against all, oh, you know, he did this, if you stopped and, hey, the Lord, I'm going to go ahead and talk about this person this way. It's just letting you know. I wonder if you would still be bold enough to speak what you wanted to speak. I wonder if before you shared the story the second, the third time, you already talked to your pastor. They already know what's going on. Hey, that was, they probably need to know that. Oh, now you're telling your buddy. And, oh, what are you talking about? Oh, now you're telling this girl. Maybe if you stopped and asked yourself, man, what, a, what is my motive in sharing this? Do I have any good reason to speak this again? I wonder if you would still continue. Right? And so we don't acknowledge the Lord. We don't acknowledge who he is long enough to allow our hearts to be humbled. And our mouth to become mute. Sometimes, I'll tell you what, just shutting up is a good idea. It's a good thing to be quiet and still before the presence of the Lord. But also, there's this other aspect, right? There's there's this relationship aspect where the Lord is, is telling us, like, hey, you need to acknowledge me. You need to check yourself before you speak, before you act. You need to see your heart. And if there's anything there, go go get rid of it. Don't defile yourself. Don't live in that. Don't allow that to spread in the church. Uh, one of the epistles talks about um, um, unwholesome talking or an, an idle talking spreading and causing more ungodliness. That's all it does, right? And so there's this aspect where we, we fail to acknowledge God in our relationships. Lord, how do I love him the way you want me to love him? Lord, I know Ricky. God, Ricky. Oh, my gosh. But, Lord, can you help? No, I'm just kidding. I love Ricky. Me and Ricky, cool. But, Lord, let me speak the way I need to speak. Lord, let me encourage the way I encourage. We were talking this morning. Spiritual gifts are not for you. They're for the body. And if they're for the body, you should be 
praying consistently, Lord, how do I edify your body? That should be the desire of your heart. Not whether or not you were wronged or righted or whatever, right? Who are you anyways? But then there's this other, this other aspect where we have dreams, we have, you know, need, or we, we feel we, we, need, we have a need for security and for wealth and for status and all these things. And I was only actually going to preach until the end of the chapter, but then I realized that James is actually addressing the same issue with two different people. You know, in, um, in this time, there were basically, you were a merchant of some sort, a fisherman, or maybe you sell, you know, garments or whatever, and, and you would have to prepare your merchandise, and you would go, and you would trade, and so, of course, you'd have to make plans and try to figure out where's the best trade routes and all these things in hope of what? Making a profit, right? Anybody want to say making a profit's a good thing? Amen, right? And so you've got these people, these, these industrious people, and then you've got kind of the rich, the wealthy, and they're, they're sitting up on land, and they're, they're, they're good to go, right? They got people coming and mowing their lawns and, and, and um, you know, harvesting their grain, and they're not doing any of the work, and they're gaining wealth off of this. And Jesus addresses both of these types of people. And listen to what he says, verse 13. Come now. You who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live. If the Lord wills, we shall live. Hey, let's just start there. And do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Albert, my brother, let me ask you something. Um, <clears throat> what temperature is going to be when you wake up tomorrow? Cold? <laughs> Maybe? Yeah? Okay. Exactly. What, what, what temperature exactly? You don't know? Okay. So what about, what about the traffic? What's the traffic going to be like tomorrow? You're not sure? Are you going to be in a wreck? Because, I mean, if you're going to be in a wreck, no, 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 listen, if you're going to be in a wreck, I want you to make sure your family knows. I don't want you not to tell them. We can't even plan out tomorrow. And we want to make plans of our, our prosperity and all of these things. Albert's back there like, this dude's crazy. I don't know what, I, I don't know what he's talking about. We don't know, Right? And so we make these plans, and, oh, we're going to go, and we're going to prosper, and we're going to do these things. And even as Christians, even in ministry, we do that. Oh, we're going to go take char. We're going to take the campus. We're going to heal the world. We're going to do all these things. And God's like, you don't even know what the heck you're talking about. You just slow down there, buddy. Right? You just slow down. How about before you acknowledge your will, how about you acknowledge mine? And it's that simple, guys. We acknowledge the Lord first. I've, I found uh, uh, this past week, the Lord was really stirring in my prayer life. And one of the things that I did this week, and I do it quite often, I have to remind myself, is I'll be praying for all these things and these visions I have. And not like, you know, God-given visions, but just, you know, my, my vision for certain things. And I'm praying, Lord, let this happen, Lord. This, and I have to just stop and just submit and say, Lord, show me your will. Lord, show me your plans. I was even praying this morning for a certain relationship and what might come out. And Lord, like, man, I don't even know, like, what you're doing. Lord, to do or to not to do, what does it matter to me? Lord, you just show me what you're doing. Let me just do that. Let me be content in that. Right? 
I wonder uh, how, how, how good did Paul or Saul's plans, I'm going to go beat up all these Christians down in Damascus. How well did that turn out for him? Well, actually, yeah, it turned out, yeah. The plans, didn't, the plans didn't go the way they were supposed to, but, you know, and, you know, it's probably a better plan. And that's the thing. That's the thing. That, that phrase, it was probably a better plan. What if God has a plan for you that's better than your plan? Are you even okay with that? Are we, are we even willing to submit to that? And that's a, that's a necessary question. That's not rhetorical. I want you to think about that because many times... When people are honest, the answer is no. You know how many people I've had sit right in front of me and say, well, I don't care if God has a better plan. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Um, Isaiah 55. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Whatever your desire is for the end of your life, God's way is actually better. Do we trust him? Do we acknowledge him long enough to realize that tomorrow not, might not work out? We believe for the healing of our brother's uh, father to be healed, but we have to acknowledge that could have very well not happened, and God would have still been good. Can we acknowledge that first? And finally, he talked to the, uh, not just the merchants, but also to the rich and to the established. And he said, come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. That is not a good way for someone to start off a conversation with you. <laughs> your riches are corrupted. Your garments are moth-eaten. Look, I got moth holes right here, man. This is my favorite sweater. I'm serious. Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure this hit home so hard. Listen to this. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cried out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned. You have murdered the just. He does not resist you. You have heaped up treasures in the last days. That was the source of, of what James was telling to the rich and to the established. They were focused on their wealth. They were focused on their status and getting more of that. And because of that, they did not acknowledge the Lord. And they held back. Oh, well, I know, yeah, yeah, but you know, you kind of showed up late. And I think I saw you taking a break. So, you know, I know I said 850. Well, here's 625. Right. And the rich who really had an ability to help to be a blessing to share what God had given them, they held it to themselves, and they exploited. Those who were poor and needy, they exploited them even more for their own gain. Guys, you have heaped up wealth for yourself in the last days. These are the last days. Are you aware of that? These are, this is the end of the age. The kingdom of God has come. We exist. We move by the Spirit. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. The end is coming. He is going to return, and all will see him face to face and be judged according to their works. For there is no partiality with God. Are we heaping up treasures on earth or in heaven? I wonder before we uh, yell at the waitress who got your plate wrong, like that somehow is the end of the world. 
if we would acknowledge God. I wonder if that would change our attitude. I wonder for, for the, uh, the business owner before he wrote a check or made a deal and, to, and he knew he was overcharging, he knew it was crooked, he knew he was really just going for his own best interest if he acknowledged God and his character, if that would change the way he walked. Because Jesus said, as Brother Mark read, the Lord, he sends the sun on the just and the unjust. He sends rain on the good and the evil. If you only love those who love you, what do you do more than others? Instead, this is what I tell everybody. This is the real great commission, okay? It's Matthew 5, 48, the real great commission. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Are you, are you exhibiting the image and the character of God? Or are you saying the blessing God has given me is enough for me and now let me live my life? Because that is what James is speaking about. In your community, be like Christ. Not like Clinton and Randall and Michael. Be like Christ. In your wages, in your future, in your planning. Don't be like Donald Trump. Be like Christ. Do what's right. Seek the Lord and he will establish your steps. But if you both, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I just got this job. Oh, no, yeah, I'm going to make all this money over here. And you, you say all these things and you build up this whole thing of your future and then it all falls apart. I've done that. Don't you feel like a fool? Instead, maybe we should say, hey, here's an opportunity that's being presented. I'm praying about it. And if the Lord wills, I hope we'll go and I hope we'll do. Even I mentioned going to Israel. Honestly, I'm about 50-50 that that might fall through. Like, I don't even know. It seems solid, but I'm, if I don't go, actually, I'd probably be okay to just stay here and not leave my wife for like a week and a half. I'd probably be okay with that. And so, for real, it's like, I, I'm almost skeptical. I'm not even sure if this is actually, if I'm going to go. And honestly, I don't care. I know that if I go, the Lord will make a blessing in it. And I'll have a testimony. And if I stay, his will is better. And I'm thankful to do whatever the Lord calls me to do. Do we acknowledge God for who he is and to be like him? That's the question I want to live, leave y'all with to, uh, this morning, tonight, today, this morning, whatever. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Somewhere, yeah. So let's go ahead and let's just submit our hearts to the Lord in meditation and prayer. And uh, let's ask the Lord to help us in this. Father God, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your word, that your word is verity, absolute truth. We thank you for the correction that you're speaking to us, even hard things, out of love, Lord. That we would be corrected, that we would be more like you. So I pray, Jesus, that you would not allow us to hate or unrighteously judge our brothers, but that we would allow all restoration and reconciliation to come through your spirit. That we would be like you in our love, and in our relationships. Father, I pray that in our plannings, in our business, in our view of our future, Father, that we would simply lay it down at your feet, Lord. Say, yes, Lord, this is what I see, this is what I desire, but Father, if it's not what you have for me, I want to let go of it. Would you just show me what you have, that I could walk in it, because then it will be fruitful, then it will be blessed. Jesus, let us humble ourselves to see you as you are, Father. Forgive us <laughs> for sitting on your throne. Father, we relinquish that, and we ask that you would be the king of our life. Lord Jesus, amen.